Welcome to the Unstoppable Yes You podcast, where we celebrate the achievements and resilience of Caribbean people to inspire the next generation. I'm your guest host, Patrice Deschabert, bringing to you a new series called Behind the Scenes. Today, I'm speaking with my Talapari Studios colleague and friend, also from St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands, Glenn Callwood. He is a production office coordinator and has worked on many television and film productions, such as Assisted Living, Ruthless, and House of Pain, which airs on BET, and Young Dylan, which airs on Nickelodeon. Prior to that, he was the assistant production office coordinator on Sisters on BET, If Loving You Is Wrong and Own, Misfits and Monsters from True TV, and films such as Nobody's Fool and Jumanji 3, among many, many more. He is currently on Memories, an Apple TV Plus series. Well, I'll let Glenn tell you all about it. Welcome, Glenn. Hey, Patrice. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here and sharing your experience in the industry and just bringing this wealth of knowledge to our listening audience. I will, I will certainly try. <laughs> so, Glenn, first of all, please explain to our listening audience what a production office coordinator is. Well, Patrice, I'm going to use a sports analogy. Let's say the POC, which is short for production office coordinator, is your quarterback on a football team. Okay? So that quarterback has his teammates. He has his running back. The running back would be my APOC. And then my lineman will be my production assistants. And on any production, we're the hub where we're talking to cast members, we're sending scripts out, we're opening up the production office. Um, We are also um, working with the uh, UPM, the unit production manager, in hiring other uh, department heads and other departments under production. Um, we're making sure that either guest directors or um, everybody that's involved in the production, the camera department and so on, they have all the equipment they need to uh, basically work at their highest level on this particular production and so on. So the POC is like the quarterback of the team where he's making sure that he's gathering all these pieces together so that it makes the um, production run smoothly. Awesome. And I've seen it in action. It is like football. <laughs> it's a lot going on. <laughs> yes. So what skill sets are needed to work in the production office on like really major films? Because I know in smaller productions, people wear many hats. But when you work on a major film or TV series, we do have these, uh, you know, more uh, specified roles. So what skill sets would you say are needed to do what you do? I would say have great organizational skills and have a great attitude and just love what you do. I mean, working in production, you just have to have a love of film. It's a fun, loving job. Um, It is stressful at times, but there is a good balance once you know what you're doing. You got to know how to work under pressure because like you said, it could be stressful at times. And I think just like what you said, if you're organized and you have a great attitude and if you love what you do, you know, you can help to manage those stressful days. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the biggest challenges you faced as a POC, whether it's with cast or crew or just, you know, in general on the production 
what what challenges have you faced and how did you uh, overcome that? Um, I think one of the major challenges that I had to face and overcome was uh, just basic communication between my team and the producers as far as, let's say, you know, actors flying in and, you know, now in the age of COVID, you know, making sure that actors are tested from where they're coming from, be it, you know, California or New York and so on. Um, And then also staying in this age of COVID, some of the challenges is, you know, making sure that um, no one gets sick. But other than that, um, challenges as far as, you know, timing, scheduling, sometimes, you know, um, everything is fast paced. So it's just keeping up with that fast pace and making sure that we alleviate um, um, mistakes uh, going at such a fast pace. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. So take us back to the beginning and tell us how you got your start in the industry. Mm, it's interesting. This has been my third career, third or fourth career. So um, going back, I was in advertising when I first moved to Atlanta, Georgia, um, actually marketing, um, because my background is in print production um, when I left New York City. So when I moved to Atlanta, I couldn't get into printing. I didn't have um, I didn't have a network here. Uh, that I can rely on. So I found a marketing position at a furniture store. And that was really, really dope. I got to go on photo shoots, uh, work on websites for um, this major retailer. And then um, they went bankrupt. So I reached out to my network that I built since I was here. And I got a job in an ad agency. So I was like, okay, um, I was like, this is not so different from what I was working before and what I was doing in New York. And especially when I was in New York, I would have ad agencies as my clients. So now I'm on the other side. So, um, I've always loved movies. Um, I was always into photography. So working at JWT, which is one of the largest advertising firms in the world, um, it just re-sparked my creative juices. And uh, I got to work on an event. Um, and from that event, I told my boss, it would be great if we could do a documentary. So he's like, well, you can um, write up a proposal and a treatment. And at the time, I didn't know what they were. So I Googled it. And I was like, oh, I could do this. So I did it. And then he looked at it and he's like, oh my God, this is great. So we presented it to then uh, the then president of JWT. And he was like, this is a great idea, but we don't have money to do it. So we were like, okay. So we were dead in the water. And then from there, a new president came through and his name was Perry Fair. He was a brother and he, he had tons of accolades. I mean, worked on Sprite commercials and so on. So I pitched the idea to him and he was like, oh my God, this is a great idea. Why not think of it? So wait, was, what, yeah, what was the idea for the documentary? Bill Sharp uh, was helping people in the 60s in Chicago get into advertising, people of color. So we, JWT created um, an award, which 
partnered with uh, other agencies um, or other nonprofits in the U.S. helping Black people get into advertising. So once we created this event at JWT, most of the people that he was involved in in Chicago couldn't make it to Atlanta. So I wanted to see if we can go to Chicago and film them, um, have them tell us of their experience with Bill growing up in the 60s and the 70s, getting into advertising and going on to do great things and working on major brands. So that was going to be the documentary um, about his basic ad course that he had. Um, So they gave us the green light to do it. And we hired a director got a film crew to go up to Chicago and we spent a week up there interviewing everyone that attended his basic ad course that was living, which was a lot. Um, and then we came back to Atlanta, um, hired a voiceover actor to narrate and so on. And we premiered it a couple of months later and it said, co-created and co-produced by Glenn Colwood and George Medlin. And he was like, yeah, this is, this is what production is. And I'm like, oh my God, this is really good. And I, after that, I was like, I, I definitely want to do more of this. And then I got laid off. <laughs> At least you got to do that big project uh, before being laid off. But you know, it is fickle. It is fickle in, in, in the ad agency or just like major companies in general. So how did you make that leap after uh, the ad agency, JWT, and now into film and TV production? Well, actually, what I did was I leaned on my network in advertising, and I knew some people that were also filmmakers. I started freelancing, still in the industry, in advertising. And at the same time, on the weekends, I was freelancing as a photographer on movie sets on friends that were creating shorts. And I had a friend that worked for a city agency here in Atlanta, and she knew what I was doing. And she knew that, you know, my love for film and wanting to get into the industry. And at that time, Atlanta was continually um, building as far as film productions. Marvel was doing stuff here. A lot of Hollywood films were being filmed here. So um, the city had created a program that was helping people get into the industry. So she had me come down to a meeting. I met one of the agency officials. I went home, emailed him my resume, cover letter. And the next day I got a call. And after an interview, after a panel interview at City Hall in Atlanta, um, I got accepted into that program. It was only a weekend program, um, just giving you, you know, basics about the film industry, which some of it I knew, some of it I didn't, which was great. Um, But more importantly, after that weekend, and it had industry um, veterans come in to talk to us. Um, But more importantly, after we left that weekend, they were going to pick us to put us on major productions where we would stay for two weeks and then rotate to another production or another set. Um, After I attended that weekend session, I uh, got called to be put on a film called um, Almost Christmas. It was a Will Packer production. And um, I was hoping to be in the production office after doing all my research. That's where I wanted to be because I want to be a producer. And I think all my skills from previous lent towards that. 
the secretary in the office, she picked me and she was like, yeah, Glenn, you got to be in the office with me. And I was so happy. I didn't want to be in costumes. I didn't want to be in electric. I didn't want to be in grip. I wanted to be in the production office. And that's what I got. So what did you do um, on that Will Packer production? I was an office PA. So that was the lowest rung that you can be. Um, you're a grunt. You're going out, getting lunch for everybody. Um, you are helping out on the production on a low rung. And at the same time, you're learning the ins and outs of the production office. The production office is the hub. So you're dealing with the producers that are there in the production office and you're helping them. Like I said, you're getting lunch for them. You're, you're air hustling. The most important thing you can do is just listen, listen to all the different conversations that are going on because you can learn so much. Um, and then of course you're, you, you have access to all the department heads. You learn all the departments in a production, in a film or TV production and how everything flows. You're dealing with casting. You're dealing with accounting. You're dealing with travel, traveling the um, actors to get here and also um, department heads that are living outside the state and need to travel here for work. Um, costumes, grip and electric, the art department. Um, there's so many. And then of course the director, so um, there are so many departments that um, you touch and you learn from. So it was great being there. And after the two weeks, um, I went to the UPM and said, how am I doing? Um, is there anything I can work on or improve upon? She was like, no, we love you. And they kept me for the whole production. Well, that's awesome, especially the fact that you went seeking feedback. So that's always a very good look when people are open to hearing what other people think about them and ways that they can improve. So I'm sure that was um, very well respected um, and probably, you know, has gotten you to where you are today. Um, well, we want to fast forward to what you're doing now, but in between there, tell us, did you eventually work your way up in the different roles from, um, from the uh, office PA to production secretary to APOC to POC? Did you kind of, work your way up that way? Uh, kind of. Um, my The way I got in was unconventional um, because after that movie, I freelanced in different departments, costumes and so on. And then the APOC on that um, Will Packer movie got to Tyler Perry Studios. So he eventually brought me on board as an office PA. And I worked there at the first Tyler Perry studio. Well, not the first, but the Tyler Perry studios that was at Greenbrier um, near the airport. And after a month, we moved to where Tyler Perry studios is currently uh, now at uh, Fort McPherson. So I was part of the, the team that actually moved from the old studio to the new studio to the 330 acre. Oh my God. That lot is, is crazy. And plus, when we got there, it did not look the way it does now. It did not have stages up. It, didn't, it was just bare land. That was back in the acrimony so, days. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. That's where we met. So it was it was awesome. So um, so when I got there, I, I, I guess I impressed um, everyone enough where um, after six months being there, I was promoted to APOC. I skipped secretary and became APOC 
on if loving you is wrong and um, um, the have and have nots. And um, from there, I was in APOC for three years before I got promoted to production coordinator on my first show, which was Assisted Living. So, yeah. Assisted Living, which was a pilot, right, for that, that show? Yeah, it was a pilot. It was a pilot comedy uh, that was going to uh, air that is airing on BET. And that was that was an achieving moment. I mean, to actually have them trust me, um, promote me to POC and give me a brand new show. It was it was it was exciting and scary at the same time. <laughs> you know what? Thanks for being honest, because some people don't mention that part, but it is scary jumping into uh, a new role um, on a new show. So how did you manage that? <laughs> I mean, I had the greatest support system. I mean, my former boss, Nadia Brown, was was instrumental in getting me that position um, and, and, and teaching me all the years that I was there. Um, Patrick Duggar, another another phenomenal uh, brother, he, he taught me a lot and, and got me there and guided me and, and all the things that I needed. Um, and then I can, my hat goes off to the team of, of production assistants that I had. Um, and then also my, my APOC and my secretary, I mean, they were my backbone. So I had a really, really great team to start out with and it, it was phenomenal. And then the cast, the cast was, oh my God, the cast was phenomenal. Um, I really, really, really um, built some friendships with the cast, so it was awesome. It was a great, great experience for my first, my first time being PLC. Yes, yeah, that was an awesome show. I, we didn't work like directly together on that one, but we um, worked parallel because I was field producer, so I was working on you know getting the footage for all the um, exterior shots needed for the um, the, the show open and. Uh, the establishing shots and driving scenes and stuff like that. So um, that was a very cool project to work on, a cool production, uh, Assisted Living. I know, and you were looking um, for homes BT. and everything too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you said what now? And you were looking for homes, exterior homes, shots <laughs> and everything for the yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting working on a pilot. So you're you're doing that again now um, with Apple TV+. Plus. So you're working on a brand new show. The title isn't even uh, confirmed yet, right? It's called, right now, a working title called Memories. Tell us about it. Yes, it's called, it's, it's called Memories. That's the working title. It's going to eventually air on Apple TV Plus um, sometime this year. And it's based on the best-selling novel, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray by Walter Mosley. And it's a story that I resonate with where um, Ptolemy Gray is in his 90s. He has dementia. He's His family has forgotten about him. Um, he's living in an apartment that he's been in for so many years and is run down. It's full of roaches. It's, 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 it's got so much junk in it. And his grandnephew is the only person that's with him that's taken care of him to make sure that he has all his basic needs. But then, unfortunately, his grandnephew gets uh, killed in a drive-by, and this young lady comes in to replace him, a close family friend, and she cleans him up, cleans up his apartment, 
and then also make sure that he sees the doctor to make sure he's okay. Um, but then the doctor has an experimental drug um, that can um, help him gain his memory back, but may also speed him up as far as dying. So it's kind of sort of like a fantasy kind of thing. So he decides to take the drug because then he can have his memory back. He can also try to avenge the murder of his grandnephew and somebody in the past. So it's, it's a, it's a really, really nice story. And I'm so happy that I got a chance to be involved in it. That sounds amazing. And it sounds like it, um, could be relatable for so many people, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. My father is in his nineties and I, and a lot of people on, on this crew, um, their parents are, you know, they're up there in age. So it's, it's definitely a story that resonates with a lot of folks. Take us behind the scenes, um, working with the crew, working in that production office, working on something that's so brand new, um, but the title isn't even established yet. It's, it's, you know, Apple TV has been around, but Apple TV plus is still fairly new. Um, and the cast, you're working with Samuel Jackson. So tell us, what it's like working behind the scenes on this type of production. Wow. Yes. Sam Jackson. I got to meet him. Oh my God. He, he's a powerhouse. I mean, you know, Marvel films and working with Spike Lee and even um, my mentor, um, AB Cooper is good friends with him. He went to school with, yes, he went to school with Sam back in the days at Clark university. So Atlanta Clark. Clark Atlanta University. So it, it's it's phenomenal. I mean, I've gotten to know his whole team. Um, they are so nice and accommodating. Some are needy, but it's all good. This production, I was fortunate enough to get in on the ground floor. I'm not a POC, but I'm an APOC. Initially, I was up for the POC position, but for whatever reason, uh, they brought in somebody else, which was cool. But then the UPM called and she wanted me to at least be the APOC. I jumped at the opportunity because I was like, I knew the story. I resonated with it. And I was like, if I can get in here any way I can, it's no problem. So meeting Sam was a joy. And it in the beginning was kind of hard work because, you know, we had to come in the production office, open up the office. We're filming at Eagle Rock Studios in Atlanta, uh, actually Norcross, Georgia. So setting up the office was a little stressful, making sure that we hired the right people, the right uh, department heads. And at this time, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia has been so busy with productions, especially with a lot of productions shutting down during COVID last year. It was kind of a struggle to find quality personnel. We finally did. The one thing with this production, Apple really didn't give us a lot of time to prep. So that was another struggle. We overcame it, but it was a struggle as far as not having enough time to prep. Uh, but we actually started shooting two weeks ago on Thursday. We just finished our full, well, our first full week of shooting. And we, uh, we will be shooting until July 2nd is our last day of actually shooting. So, yeah. That's a pretty long run, though tell us what it's like working freelance from production to production where, you know, you're not guaranteed the next thing as you were when you had a staff position in the agency. Um, how do you manage that? 
you manage that by your work ethic and then also just creating a quality network of industry professionals that you worked with in the past and that you may also want to work with in the future that you never have. Um, I've been fortunate enough to um, think outside the bubble and kind of being that this current production is going for at least six months. Right now, I'm actually you know, looking and reaching out to people to see, hey, is anything going on in August or September? You know, and then also, most importantly, knowing that you're working freelance and you have X amount of time to work, you save your money. You really don't spend as much. So that, God forbid, if you are out of work or if you choose to not work for a month, you don't have to worry about money or having your bills, you know, being short on money and not being able to pay your bills. You can easily do that and be comfortable. And then I'm also a photographer on the side. So um, there are times when I'll take a gig where I'm doing headshots for actors or personal friends of mine. Um, And then just getting into other creative ventures, um, I also um, produce indie um, web series and also short films. So that's also a joy to work with um, other industry professionals in the indie space and entertainment. Yeah, you recently rapped on the production of Real Fakes, and you also have worked with others um, throughout your career to start Film Family. Tell us a little bit about that. As far as Real Fakes, yeah, I was brought on for the second season of a micro web series called Real Fakes. And it was such a joy to work on that with my friend, Aston Sullivan. She's a powerhouse uh, writer, director in her own right. And she wrote this, uh, this uh, six episode, no, nine episode series. Uh, It's a micro series, but it was so funny. It's a comedy and uh, set in Philadelphia. And we shot it here in Atlanta about her experiences uh, working at a knockoff handbag store during college. So that was really, really fun. <laughs> uh, that was great. We shot that um, during the pandemic, but later on um, in September last year. Um, we're in post-production right now. We're hoping to release that sometime this summer. We're crossing fingers on that. And then also some years ago, my friend Etta East, who's also another writer-director in her own right. Hey, Etta. Um, <laughs> yes. I came to a meeting. I was hanging out with her, and she was like, oh, Glenn, I have to go to this meeting. I'm meeting some other female filmmakers. So I'll say, great, I'll tag along. And I sat down, and you know, they started this meeting. And one of the young ladies, uh, Victoria, she was like, you know, I introduced myself, saying, hey, my name is Glenn. Da, da, da. I'm just going to hang out here and listen to you guys. And then he went through to me and she was like, wait a minute, Glenn, you're Glenn? And I'm like, what do you mean? What? What's going on? She was like, no, the Glenn. And I'm like, what the Glenn? I'm not no actor. Like, <laughs> and then she's like, no, you're, you work with this person. You work with that person. Da, 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 da. You've been in the industry. But I was like, well, I'm still new in the industry. It's only been like five years or so. Yeah, but so you work with so many people. Get up here and sit on the table with us. And I was like, wow, okay. And, you know, so... They had created an organization years ago, which was via text called Film Sisters, and they were their own backbone, just helping each other get into the industry, uh, sharing opportunities and so on. And they wanted to take it to the next level, creating social media pages, Instagram and so on to get the word out more on helping more women of color get into the industry. I was the only guy there and they were like, well, since you're here, we should help you start Film Brothers. 
there is a great guy that we need to introduce you to. His name is Sean Mathis, and he's a writer, director. So next thing you know, we started Film Brothers. So we have Film Brothers and Film Sisters as a nonprofit. But then we were like, well, why do we have to make it separate? Why don't we put Just them words. together, combine <laughs> them, and create Film Family? That is so awesome. Happened. Yeah. So, you know, right now we're on Instagram um, at filmfamilyorg. And we're also, um, we also have our website, www.filmfamily.org. And we basically share opportunities for people of color here in Atlanta and abroad. And we also um, collaborate on different projects, film projects, and help other people get their film projects made. So it's, it's great. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Glenn. And I hope that our listeners will check you out on Film Family. And we look forward to seeing the upcoming work, Real Fakes, and everything else that you're doing, especially uh, Memories on Apple TV+. And, of course, all the the wonderful uh, Teleperry productions you've been a part of that's still continuing today. And so to our listeners, I hope you were able to gain valuable insight to help you get your start in the entertainment industry. To receive new episodes of this series directly in your inbox, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting our website at www.unstoppableyesu.com. We also share a post like this on my site, which is caribbeangirlrocks.com and uh, on our Facebook pages as well. You can subscribe via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Red Circle, or Google Podcasts. 